0: Uh, I want us to start this morning with a passage of Scripture. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, um, then you can turn in them with me. I'm going to Romans chapter 8, uh, starting at verses 18. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, I don't have it on the screen this morning, uh, unfortunately. However, you can listen along. I'm going to read read this passage in full. So Romans chapter 8, uh, and I'm reading this morning <clears throat> Excuse me, from verse 18 through to 28. And it says this, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We're going to revisit that um, scripture at the end, and it's going to take new life given what we're about to talk about. But I wanted to lay it as a foundation this morning. Uh, As I say, I want to give you something this morning that I believe is going to help you now and is going to help you in days, weeks, months, years to come. Um, th- there's no point giving you something this morning on the live stream that isn't relevant until we're out of lockdown. I don't want to give you something now that you go, well, that's great, Shannon, but I can't do anything with that this week because I'm locked in my house. Uh, so I don't want to give you something that's just that's not relevant until then. Uh, but in the same way, I don't want to give you something that's only beneficial for the next five days or for the next three weeks or the next however long th- this is. So while we're live streaming, my goal is to give each one of you something that will bless you now in lockdown, that will help you to navigate lockdown, that will help you to navigate the complexities uh, of isolation, but also something that will bless you beyond <clears throat> the current circumstances. So that's, that's my goal uh, this morning. And um, I want to talk to you about the thought. My title is Anticipating Jesus. Anticipating Jesus. What does the word "anticipate" mean? What does the word "anticipate" mean? It means plenty of things. It's been used in a bunch of different ways. You know, my daughter is already starting to anticipate Christmas. Uh, I'm anticipating Father's Day. I actually, I tell you a little story. Emma yesterday thought that Father's Day was today, and I made the silly mistake of correcting her and saying, "No, no, it's not till next Sunday." Uh, regretting that now because actually I could have maybe celebrated Father's Day twice. Uh, But that's okay. I'm anticipating Father's Day next week. But anticipating uh, has many definitions, many interpretations. One definition is to expect something. uh, To expect. Uh, Another is to regard as probable. If I anticipate something, I'm expecting it to happen. I think that it is likely. I think that it is probable. Uh, I think my earliest memory Of the word anticipate was when I was learning how to catch a ball I don't know why I remember that or how I remember that but I remember being taught to anticipate the ball and that meant a couple of things one I had to have my hands out of my pockets I had to be ready I had to be anticipating that the ball I was going to catch the ball you can't anticipate something while you're sitting on your hands secondly I had to be looking for where the ball was going to land. Now, when we start to learn to catch, usually your 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 mom or your dad or whoever's teaching you to catch throws the ball straight to you. You know, Taya and I are doing this at the moment with with the um with my juggling hacky sacks. And you throw the ball to her and and you throw it almost directly, you're trying to get it in her hands. But as we get as we get better we understand that not every ball that is thrown is coming directly to us and sometimes we have to anticipate that we have to look for it we have to move for it and so this is where I want to look at anticipation this morning on reflection anticipation is about two things It is the intersection between the unknown and the known I'll say that again Anticipation is the intersection between the unknown and the known. I mean, you think for a minute about a fielder in a game of cricket uh, or baseball, whichever, you know, a ball sport with a bat and a ball and there's, there's fielders. And the batter hits the ball. And as it flies through the air, at what point does the fielder know exactly where the ball is going to land? At what point does the person who's out on the field, who's seen the ball, who's watching the ball, what point do they know exactly where it's going to land? The answer is twofold. Either it's when it hits the ground, or it's when it lands in their hands. Until that moment, the fielder does not know exactly where the ball is going to be. As the ball travels through the air, it becomes more and more likely He can become, or she can become more and more certain of where that ball is going to land. But until such time as they have it, or until such time as it has landed, they're not certain. However, there are a couple of things that the fielder does know. And number one is that what goes up must come down. The fielder knows that that ball isn't going to keep flying forever. And in the same way, he knows that the ball's not going to suddenly change direction. The ball's not going to be going and then go and go back the way it came. The ball, what goes up must come down, and it will maintain the trajectory that it is on until such time that gravity and and, let's not get into the physics of it. So, using the absolutes, that the fielder does know, he is able to begin to anticipate what he doesn't know. Does that make sense? Using the absolutes that he does know, that the ball must come down and that it's going to keep going the direction that it's going, he can begin to anticipate, therefore, I think it's going to land somewhere around here. And he can begin to position himself and to get under that ball and to to take a place that anticipates and gets his hands ready to receive what is coming through the air. As Christians, we concern us, ourselves a lot with knowing. We want to know, right? I, I think maybe the, the big question that comes up, it's one of the most most common questions I kind of get asked is like, you know, what's God doing? What is, what, what, what is this? How do I know? How do we know? Is this this? Is this that? You know, we, we, all of the questions, all of the unknown, we want to know. We want to know. I don't necessarily think that's just a Christian thing. I think as people, we like to know we like to know things we consider anticipating Jesus when we talk about anticipating Jesus and the full we can we think of it as the forewarning of every circumstance we, we go all in on theories uh, before anything substantial has happened the moment the batter hits the ball we go this is this or this is when the Bible says this or this is the end of the world or this is the whatever we, we go all in on a theory before anything substantial has happened we position ourselves in a place on the field and say, This is where the ball is going to land, because God told me so. And we don't look to see where the ball is going. And when it lands, it often lands miles away from where we said it was going to be. We think Christianity is about the knowing, but anticipation is the intersection between the knowing. And the unknown. If you're taking notes you might want to write this down. Anticipating God in the Bible is never really presented as knowing what is going to happen. When we talk about anticipating God, when you read the stories in the Bible, they're never really about knowing and I'll show you that in a minute. Anticipating God is never really presented as knowing what is going to happen, but knowing enough about the enduring character of God to navigate whatever happens. It's not about knowing what's happening. It's about having faith, whatever happens. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 119, verse 105, well-known memory verse for many children. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It is a light to my path. Luke chapter 12 and verse 12 says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. He will teach you at that time what you should say. I love Luke chapter 12. Jesus is talking about going into environments. And don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't plan. Don't Because when you get into that moment, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that moment, at that time. Another translation says in that hour, what you should say. Both of these scriptures imply an anticipation. A known and an unknown. They don't really talk about the future in detail. They talk about the present. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet. That, that's there, that's now. A light for my path, that's like maybe my immediate next couple of steps. God will give you words at that moment. God will give you the words to say when you need to say them. How many times have you ever had an argument? Or you've ever had a, um, an altercation or a debate or, or just a discussion? and the time goes by and you get home at the end of the day and you sit down in your bed, or you lie down in your bed, and you start thinking about all of the things you could have said, right? All of the things you should have said, all of the things, and, and they're useless now. All of the arguments, they would've won you the discussion, would've won you the, the, the argument. And, and you go, ah, oh, where did that go? How did that happen? What? Oh, well. But the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Anticipation, the intersection of a known and an unknown. Take a look at this verse. This really starts to to challenge us. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17 says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? an encouraging question isn't it what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes instead you ought to say if it is the Lord's will we will live and do this or do that as it is you boast in your own arrogant schemes all such boasting is evil you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow remember last week when we were sitting i was making plans for Sermon, you were making plans for your weekend, you were making plans for Friday for what you were gonna do with your family for dinner. And then suddenly, like there's a, there's a single case in Auckland and then there's a, a lot of cases and then we're in lockdown and, and we go, hang on, this isn't what I thought tomorrow was gonna look like. This doesn't mean that we don't commit ourselves. Well, James is not talking about commitment here. In fact, I believe if we listened to Jesus instead of making our own plans, the result would actually be being more committed, not more fluid. But James is trying to say that there is not, there is an unknown aspect to our lives. There is an unknown aspect to life and the Christian faith. But within that, we have this beautiful paradox. Because Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I don't know about you, I've always been a little bit confused by the paradox of Hebrews that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, where God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's also doing a new thing. Let me put it this way. The new things of God, And the new things of your world can be navigated because of the unchanging things about God. The new things of God can be understood because of the unchanging things of God. I'm going to pick this theme up. I want to give you a couple of um, scriptures. I want to give you some points that are going to help that. But before we do that, I want to show you a video. And uh, this video, you might struggle to see the connection immediately but you'll see it afterwards. I want to really encourage you, I know that when we're at home, we tend to, to spectate rather than participate. We tend to go put the video on and, and, and we'll watch it. We watch the worship or we watch whatever. But I really want to encourage you to participate with this video because it, the proof is in the exercise, okay? So I'm gonna put this video on and then I'm gonna to talk to you after that. Talking about expectations, expectations. Watch. Now what, what's interesting to me about that is regardless of where i am anywhere every audience gets that but it doesn't matter you know that's just you know the pentatonic scale for some reason if you're looking for a job in neuroscience i think <laughs> <you> can... <laughs> Was that? What, what do you notice about that? Uh, I, I love that exercise. Bobby McFerrin is uh, just one of my favourite people in the world when it comes to music. I think he's very clever, very talented, uh, a little bit eccentric. Um, but I want to know: did that work for you? Uh, maybe check a couple of comments. I particularly want to know if it worked for Rodney, uh, if Rodney's watching this morning, because Rodney doesn't consider himself as particularly musical. Uh, but. What I want, what do you think about that? And I want to think about what did you notice in that exercise? See, Bobby McFerrin didn't tell them what he was going to do. He didn't tell them what that third note was. I mean, let, before we talk about all of the others, Bobby McFerrin showed them two notes. He stood here, and we. I'm not going to do it because I've got the tune stuck in my head now, and I'll get. And then he jumped to the next one. And he jumped backwards and forwards between the two of those things. And that was all he had taught them. And then somewhere in the middle of that, he jumped into the unknown. He jumped from what they knew to what they didn't know. And their spirit, their internal wiring, their understanding of music that was put into them based on the two notes that he taught enabled them to simply go where Bobby McFerrin was going. Now, let me ask you. Do we know everything that there is to know about God? Has God made everything known to us? No. And yet, with what He has made known to us, maybe it's just two notes, maybe it's two memory verses, maybe it's a scripture, maybe it's whatever. But when we take what is known to us, and then God moves into the unknown, what He has taught us in the known allows us to anticipate. Remember, anticipation is the intersection between the known and the unknown. And he allows us, I'm going to have to try and stay seated here. (laughs) And it allows us to anticipate where God is going, what God is doing. The known positions us in the unknown. Wasn't coincidental. And in fact, by the end, by the time he taught them just two notes, he was then able to play an entire scale with the audience who had not been briefed, had not been prepped, but simply followed what was already in them from the little bit that they had been taught. What would it look like if God could play us like an instrument with what we know and we could learn to anticipate the unknown? We're in an unknown circumstance right now. Some of it's familiar from last year, but there's aspects of it that were unknown. Last week it was unanticipated. But the joy of it is when we come into that space, I know that I'm not coming into a space where God is not. I'm coming into a space where God already is. And if God is already there, then I can begin to anticipate him. I can begin to seek him and I can begin to find him in the unknown. Listen to the scripture, John chapter sixteen, verse thirty-three. Says, "I have told you these things." Let's let's consider those things. Two notes: I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You know that that's probably the second Bible verse I ever remember learning. The two memory verses that have seen me through. The two things. My two notes that have seen me through so many different circumstances in my life. Psalm twenty-seven, one: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Number two is this one. John chapter 16 verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have unknown circumstances. But take heart for I have overcome the world. Maybe I could put it this way. You will know what you need to know in the future by knowing who you need to know now. You will know what you need to know in the future by knowing who you need to know now. See. This is why I refuse to engage in conversation about biblical prophecy in the end times with someone who doesn't want to talk about biblical history. See, we always want to talk about what God's doing, but if we had a better idea of what God has done and what he's doing now, we wouldn't stress about what's to come. But we don't want to talk about that. You can't know the third note without knowing the two notes. You can't know the rest of the scale without knowing God, without knowing who he is, without knowing what he's done. And there's a wonderful peace that comes. Again, Jesus, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in every circumstance. If Bobby McFerrin had stood up at the start of that and said, hey, I'm going to teach you two notes and then we're going to sing the entire pentatonic scale together, every non-musician in the audience, in fact, half of the musicians in the audience would have gone, (sighs) so he didn't tell them. If God told you some of the things that he had planned for your life, you would freak out. But instead, he gives us what we need to know. And then out of that, we move into the intersection place, the anticipation in the unknown. Take a look at a couple of other verses uh, about the presence of God in the unknown. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. And ever-present, ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge and our strength. an ever-present help in times of trouble. That word ever-present is important because it means God is everywhere. God is in everything. God is in the lockdown. I'm not saying God sent it. We'll come to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Psalm chapter 139, verse 7. Uh, let's go through to 10. says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Everywhere, wherever I go. He's an ever-present help. Where can I go? Where you are not. There is nowhere. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, He says, and surely, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Bobby McFerrin took his audience somewhere they had not been and yet they already had something within them that taught them and equipped them for where they needed to go. In the same way, when we find ourselves in the unknown, God has already put in us everything we need and he is already in that moment. We are able to anticipate Jesus in everything. We are able to anticipate Jesus in everything. Because he has already anticipated your everything. There is no circumstance that your God is not prepared for. In November of 2016, Emma and I were driving back from our National Baptist Hui in Dunedin. Our firstborn child was due in January. And we needed a name. We had a whole list of boys' names, but we'd found out that we weren't having a boy; we were having a girl. And it was November. Baby was due in January, and we didn't even have a short list. And I said to Emma, "We've got to come up with a name. We got So we were talking all the way back from Dunedin to Blenheim. We we're driving on one trip. We've got to get back. We've got to know what we're doing. And suddenly, we were overtaken by a car. And the car that we were overtaken by had a, had a decal sticker on the back window obviously the driver's name, and I said T-A-Y-A, Taya. And I said to Emma, I really like that name. I think that's a great name. Uh, A lot of people think that we named our daughter after Taya from Hillsong, but we didn't. We named her after a bumper sticker. Uh, I know, wonderful. And we talked about it. You can't name a child over after a bumper sticker. But I said to Emma, I said, you look that name up. Look that name up, I wanna know what it means. Less than three weeks later, Emma and I were in Nelson Hospital, and Taya was born five weeks premature, four weeks growth restricted, so she was the equivalent of a two and a bit month uh, premature baby. And so we're in Nelson Hospital, uh, in the special care baby unit, and we're being briefed that she's gonna be delivered by emergency C-section. And one of the things that the doctor said to us is, now you have to know that the lungs are the last thing to develop on a child. Uh, they develop in the last two months and so your baby will be born uh, with underdeveloped lungs she will not make a sound when she comes out don't worry uh, we'll take it down we'll put her on oxygen um, this is going to be you know and talking us through essentially what was going to be the battle for our daughter's life emma was wheeled down into the hospital room uh and they i was there for the c-section and the first thing that taya did when they lifted her out was scream at the top of her lungs I've never been happy to hear that noise since, uh, as, I, as much as I was in that moment. And so we took her down the hallway. She required no oxygen. She was on CPAP assisted breathing uh, for a very, very short amount of time. I think it was about seven hours, and then she was breathing entirely on her own. And uh, the doctors were amazed. And one of the nurses asked us, in the days after that, they asked us what her name was, and we said her name is Taya. And the nurse said, what does that name mean? And we looked the nurse in the eye and said, the name Taya means perfectly formed. Two months premature with lungs that were supposed to be undeveloped and our daughter came out of the womb perfectly formed. It was an unknown moment. It was an unanticipated moment. Our daughter was ahead of schedule, but God had already overtaken us. That story is just one of the ways that God encourages us. You know, right now I have a friend who's going through a very different story. Unfortunately, they lost their child in in late pregnancy. And they're heartbroken. And yet in the midst of it, she has been able to find the grace and the presence of God in the midst of their circumstances. When Emma and I lost our very much anticipated second child. It was emotional for both of us. And yet in that place, we found Jesus. Why? Because we were able to anticipate Jesus in that moment. Not that God had caused that moment, not that God wanted that moment for us, but that he would still be present in the midst of it. When Emma's father, Grant, passed away, we had another time as a family of of grief in circumstances that were completely unanticipated, completely unanticipated, completely unknown. But we were able to lean on the God of all comfort to bring us through the pain and the hurt who sat with us in those moments. He was not absent from us. In fact, I remember one member, member of the family saying, I don't know how we would have got through this if not for God. And often we want to look at God to go, well, if God was real, why didn't he intervene? Why didn't he do this? These are all questions that you can line up and ask him. I've got some questions that I will line up and ask him. But what I know is even in the midst of the unknown, I have always found God. He is not the God of trauma, but he is the God even in the midst of it. And so in the unanticipated moments, we are still able to anticipate Jesus. Not only that, faith is not the confidence of a specific outcome. Often we have faith. When we have faith, we go, this is going to happen, and I know this is going to happen. And when this happens, it'll be because God did this and God did that. And, And amen, that is an expression of faith. But faith is not just confidence in a specific outcome. Faith is confidence in every outcome. Consider Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. When they've been threatened with being thrown into the fire if they don't bow down to his statue, to his false god, and they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. That's faith. And will deliver us that's faith. But even if he doesn't, that's faith. Let's go back to our opening scripture this morning. I want to read that passage again, knowing what we now know about anticipation, and we're going to finish with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present unknown sufferings, unanticipated sufferings, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly, as we anticipate for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, in this anticipation, we are saved. But anticipation that is seen is no anticipation at all. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Who anticipates what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We anticipate it. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, the unknown, the unanticipated, the uncertain, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. I want to bless you this morning to know now and in the future, whatever unanticipated events you find yourself in, know that you can anticipate Jesus in all of them. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, an ever-present help in trouble. He has promised to be with you always, to give you the words you need at the moment you need them, and to work your circumstances for good you may not know where the ball is going to land right now. Whatever that ball is for you, you may not know where it's going to land right now. But we know in Christ that ball will land. And if you keep your eyes on it and respond to the promptings of God, you will be right under it when it does. Let me pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you have overtaken us, that you have anticipated every circumstance we could ever face. Lockdown is not a surprise to you. COVID is not a surprise to you. The things we go through, the highs and the lows are not a surprise to you. Lord, not that you have sent them, not that you desire them for us, but Lord, that you are God over all of them. And so Lord, in our unanticipated moments, we pray that instead of focusing on what we don't know, we would lean into who we do know. And in our unanticipated moments, we would begin to anticipate the working of Jesus and the working of the Holy Spirit. And God, you would come and do wonderful things in our unexpected. The Messiah was long anticipated, but his, the form of his arrival was unanticipated. Lord, so many of the things that you do that we are anticipating come in unanticipated ways. But Lord, we pray that we would anticipate you. That like that boy in the field who wants to catch that ball, we would take our hands out of our pockets. That we would position ourselves, that we would watch and we would look for what it is that you are doing. And I pray your blessing on every viewer here today whether they're watching live whether they watch the repeat later on Lord that they would know that you are present in their unanticipated Lord I pray for balls that are in the air right now whether those are those are bills employment family anxiety Lord whatever balls we people have in the air Lord I pray right now that they would be able to anticipate that that ball will come down and that by your spirit they would be under it when it falls And that they would catch it. And that they would know that God above all else has been present in their moment. We bless you. We worship you. We give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.